0: What about? Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. Jim's recent sermon on some distinctive Christian practices raised some questions, and that's good. Questions allow us to clarify and also to tackle objections. Two questions in particular will get our attention today. What about the healing that seems to be promised in James chapter 5 upon anointing with oil by the elders? We'll spend some time on that. But first, are there some practices that were for the early church but not for us? Let's get started.
1: How do we distinguish between the things that Jesus commanded his disciples to do that we don't do and the things that Jesus commands us to do that we do do? How do you make that discernment? For instance, in Luke chapter 24... Jesus said to his disciples, now tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. That's Luke 24. It's the last several verses of of that chapter in Luke. Does that mean that we should uh, go to Jerusalem and spend a time there pondering, praying, uh, meditating, waiting until God uh, moves upon our hearts in an unusual way or that he empowers us or that he Sends His Spirit upon us with fresh uh, and bold entry? No, that's not what that means. That command was historically bound. That is, it had a historic context, and when that historic context was finished, the command was done. We don't go to a certain mountain in Galilee, the disciples did, That's why they were there for that passage we talked about yesterday in Matthew chapter 28. They had gone there because the Lord had directed them to go to such and such a mountain. Their command to go there is not our command to go there. So how do you distinguish between the commands that Jesus gave, which are obligatory upon us, and those which are not obligatory, those which are binding and those which are not? Well, there are several several tests that are usually used. Uh, First of all, if the command is uh, repeated or emphasized or reiterated in the epistles, the epistles, that would be uh, Romans through Jude, or even out in the book of the Revelation, but most especially the epistles, those, uh, that would be Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Philippians, Philippians, Colossians, so forth. If there's a command in the gospels that Jesus gave his disciples, and you see them repeating that command to the churches in uh, those epistles, then that's pretty sure that that's something we should be doing. Pretty sure. And all four illustrations that I used yesterday pass that test. They all four pass that test. Another test is if the thing that Jesus gave them to do was not covered or contained or constricted by the Old Testament covenant then we ought to do it. There were many things Jesus told his disciples to do that were under the administration of the Mosaic Covenant. He told his disciples, for instance, to go over to such and such a city and they find a, a colt tied there, bring that colt to me. Well, we don't go over to such and such a city and look for a cult. we don't do that. That command is not binding upon us. That was part of a an historic event that Jesus Christ planned in his ministry. When the cult had been discovered and brought to the Lord Jesus and the triumphal entering was over, that command ceased. It was a a command that was historically sensitive, historically binding. Now, the illustrations I've used are broad and easy to see. But there are many church fights, many church divisions that occur over this very question. Side A says, Jesus said it, we ought to do it. Side B says, Jesus said it, but that's not binding upon us. You'll find some of those things, for instance, in uh, in Romans chapter fourteen. This group over here said it's clear we ought to only eat vegetables. This group over here says no, we can eat anything. So you got that battle. This group over here says it's clear we ought to only worship on Sunday. This group over here says every day is a holy day. We shouldn't do anything on Monday that we wouldn't do on Sunday, and back and forth and back and forth it goes. That's a That's a legitimate question, and it's a lifelong study. And the only way you can be sure in your own heart for the answer is for you to become engaged in study. That's why we are told, Paul told Timothy, and through him told us, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Every statement in the Bible is not directly a command to you, to me. And everything you find in the Bible does not automatically and immediately apply to us. Now, all Christians believe that. Few Christians agree where those dividing lines are. So that's a very legitimate question, one you want to think about. As you read through the Gospels, what things did Jesus say that he commanded that we should be doing, and what things did he say that are not do not carry over, do not continue over into, into the new covenant, the new dispensation. The second question that was asked yesterday was the anointing with oil. I mean, does that guarantee that the person's going to get well? And um, the answer to that question is yes. Yes. If by well, you mean better. For 25, 30 years, I've had the privilege of interacting with some very bright people here in our church over this subject of divine healing and how God heals and when he heals. A part of that's been generated by the fact that uh, healing uh, is such a big-time topic today. I mean, mostly on television and radio. I mean, you, you can rarely find a Christian service that isn't somewhere along the line promoting healing Health, recovery, followed by wealth, security. And the line of that theology goes something like this. Either A, God loves us and wants us to be healthy and well, or B, when Jesus died on the cross, uh, he died for our, our sicknesses. And through his sicknesses, we are healed. Therefore, healing, physical sickness, Healing, physical illness, is a part of the atonement, part of the new covenant. Some will even go so far as to say that Christians should never get sick. That if you're sick, it's a sure indication that you're out of the will of God, you're sinning. And if you remain sick, it's either you don't have enough faith to be healed, or you're continuing to retain sin in your life. One of those two. Now that's a very popular topic today, and uh it 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 knows no no denominational borders. I mean you you can find that teaching in the Catholic Church, you can find it in in uh, the Pentecostal movement, you can find it in the in the Baptist movement, you can find it in the Methodist, I mean it it's it's not something that's contained to some little denomination. Now the answer to that is that healing is always temporary. Always. Always. I can prove that to you. We read in the gospel that uh, one day there was a man who was sick on a cot, remember? And four guys come hauling him out. Remember? Remember the story? They couldn't get in because the crowd was so big around Jesus. So what'd they do? Up on the roof, part of the roof. Now, Don't think don't think America 20th century uh, the roof. That's not that kind of roof. This was Jesus was in a courtyard And the roof there was made of by laying certain stocks across it to break the Sun It was a very temporary much like uh, your patio roof much much like your sun roof not the glass kind now but the kind that has the slats and 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 designed so that during the summer when the heat the Sun's there it, it gives you shade It was that kind of roof that they broke up, and they lowered the sick man down, and Jesus healed him. Now, first of all, did Jesus heal the man on the, on the cart because of his faith? No. <laughs> the text is very clear. Jesus saw the four guys' faith who brought him. They had the faith. The man on the cot, he, he may not have been conscious. We have no idea. His faith was not involved at all. The four guys who brought him had faith, and Jesus, seeing their faith, says to the one who's sick, you know, get up and walk. Now, Jesus healed him. Believe that? Say amen. Can you introduce me to him today? Where does he live? He's dead, isn't he? Well, I thought he healed him. You see, healing is always temporary, always temporary. Every body that Jesus healed died. Everybody that Jesus healed died. As a matter of fact, Jesus performed three resurrections. Can you name them? The daughter of Jairus, the widow at Nain, Lazarus. We know those three. There are broad texts that suggest that Jesus may have raised others from the dead. Now, did Lazarus come back from the dead? Uh huh he even attended a supper a couple of days later that was given in his honor to celebrate his return from the world beyond john tells us that where is lazarus tonight dead where's the widow's son tonight dead see see so all healing is temporal it's momentary the Bible tells us that the outward man perishes. Our physical body perishes. We all get old, we all die. The only two exceptions so far to that have been Enoch and Enoch and Elijah, Elijah. Those two guys uh, got, a, got a direct exit out of here. The rest of us are gonna die. So when Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, behold, I show you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, that is a mystery. That's something you can never figure out from history. He's saying there's a generation of people that will be living on the earth at a particular time, and that group of believers will not experience death. We will not go through the valley of the shadow of death. We will be instantly, in a moment, translated. We will be instantly transformed, instantly uh, this, this corruption will put on incorruption. This mortality will put on incorruption. and We will instantly be resurrected, okay? Moses, Elijah, that generation with those exceptions, everybody else gets to die. That's how you get out of here. We get to die. So when we talk about healing, we're talking about something that is temporary. The other side of the issue is to define healing. What do you mean when you say somebody was healed? What do you mean by that? Now, my own dear former doctor, Dr. Larry Lytle, was also the doctor for Pastor Dick Army. Pastor DeArmy was here 19 years. During that 19 years, he suffered, It was either 18, 17, or 18, debilitating heart attacks. That is, heart attacks that were so serious they had to take him to the hospital. Each time. He would go to the hospital, you all pray. And what would happen? He'd be back up on the platform three, four, five, six, eight weeks later. Was he healed? Was he? Oh, you're not going to talk to me tonight. Okay. Yes, he was. He was healed. Very definitely healed. Very definitely healed. But he didn't get a new heart. See, healing is correctly defined by God supplying energies. To overcome the deficiencies of a failing part of our, of our body. That's what healing is. That's what it is. It's temporary, it's uh, a demonstration of God's power and grace, but then all healing, all healing. You cut your finger, put the on it, five weeks later, you got nothing there but a tender scar. You say it's healed, still got the scar. What do you mean when you say it's healed? You didn't get a new finger. You can see very clearly where you were cut. What you mean is that through God's marvelous provision, either naturally, in that case, or by God's intervention, or through God using medical or technical or other means, you received a grace that was greater than the debilitating disease. That's what healing is. I told you Sunday morning, you know, I don't belong here. I'm, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm living beyond my time. If I had been born in 1900 instead of 1938, I would have been dead 20 years ago. Matter of fact, most of you would have too, you know that. How many of you have had an experience that if you'd have had it in the 1900s and the 1910s, you'd be dead? Because there was no penicillin. There was no, that's right. And the rest of you just have short memories. No, seriously. Uh, Seriously. So when we talk about healing, we're using a term that that someone has stretched far beyond any reasonable or medical or technical or biblical definition. Now it's interesting in James chapter 5, the promise is what? What's the Lord's promise there? The Lord will raise him up. The Lord will raise him up. The Lord will raise him up. That's what God's done for me. That's what God did for Dick Army. I mean, that's, he, he raised him up. He gave him energy and strength, gave him physical capacity to go beyond the debilitating uh, disease, the debilitating uh, problem. And the thing that fascinates me is that the definition of that group of people are any sick among you. That word sick means the absence of strength. It's a Greek word which means no strength or no energy. It's a diminished capacity that's involved. So, what's the solution to a diminished capacity? Being capacitated, being recapacitated. So, I believe without any reservation, that the anointing service carries with it God's promise, the Lord will raise him up. And I'm prepared to say that he never fails, never fails. I wish she was here tonight. She's in Florida, but there's a dear sister who is a part of our fellowship here at Grace, and, and her first husband was pastor of a different fellowship of churches, and and he became very, very ill. Very ill. And uh, he asked his fellow pastors to do a James 5. That's, that was his phrase, not mine. That's, I, don't mean to be, I don't mean to be casual. That's what he said. Do a James 5 for me. And they wouldn't. They couldn't. He knew of us, called and asked if I would do that. And I called a couple of elders. And we went down to the hospital and... and uh, had a delightful experience. Now he was in he was in very very serious health, very serious health, um, and he knew that, and he knew that the anointing service did not mean that God was going to give him a new body, blah 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 blah. At anointing service with him, and he'd have three more days. <laughs> he had a glorious experience. Just a, just it was he was he was he was animated he was relieved he was he was just and then he died died quite suddenly Um, and I was disappointed and uh, I was there shortly after his death and doing what I could to comfort the family and and was explaining to the doctor that uh, you're disappointed that something hadn't Something had gone wrong, <laughs> and the doctor explained that he really didn't die from the cause that had brought him to the hospital, but from a different set of complications. And I remember the doctor. The doctor was half again my age at that time. an old wise man, and uh, he said, son, <laughs> he said, son, he said, when it comes to this matter of health and healing, he said, we are all practicing. None of us have all the definitions. But he said, I can guarantee you that this man did not die, die directly from those situations in his body that he asked you to anoint Because he told me about it. He says, he told me about it. He said, we celebrated, rejoiced in energies. And then he said, another whole system, another whole system failed. One that wasn't even on the screen at that time. I've been comforted by that because God does not promise in James 5 that if you call for the elders of the church, you get another hundred years. Honestly, how many of you would take a hundred years if I could guarantee them to you? If I had the power to lay my hand on your forehead and say, a hundred years is yours, if I had that power, would you take it? Would you want to live another hundred years? I wouldn't. Now, if you're smart, you'd say, "Well, I can't, don't want to live 100 years with my body like it is now. I mean, I got a bum knee and don't hear as good as I could, and my eyes are failing, and dentures, and all this. And you know, if you're going to make me live another 100 years, give me some new equipment. I can't do that. I can't do that. Oh, you mean you're going to just give me another 100 years, and my body's going to continue to? Yeah, that's right. That's life. That's what sin does. That's that's the process here in this world." Well, you wouldn't want another hundred years. And God in his grace isn't going to make you spend another hundred years here. We're on foreign territory. We're behind enemy lines. We're bound up in a system that is uh, under the curse of God. Romans 8 makes that very clear. And soon we're going to be delivered. So if you're stressed about James 5 and your stress is, well, hey, I know people that were anointed and, and they didn't get well, they didn't you know, live to be another 25, 30 years, remember the promise there isn't that God will give you another 100 years. It promises, promise is God will raise you up. Have you ever thought about the other side of it? Saturday, we had an anointing service for a dear brother here in the church and uh, i'm standing there I, i'm in, <laughs> i'm 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 the captain I'm not in charge but i'm the captain and i'm I have a team here of elders with me and we've read the passage and I asked one of the other elders if uh, if he would uh, uh, lead us in prayer and then give us a time in his prayer to confess our sins to the Lord so that we might be clean before the Lord as elders we who are going to be Anointing, and as that brother prayed, and as I prayed, the Lord very specifically said, "Jim, you got some homework to do <laughs> here and here. Two very specific things that I've been working on since then. Very specific things. Things that I had, uh, I had not uh, been as." Uh, astute, as obedient to the Lord. Things where other attitudes of selfishness, and etc. have crept in. And sometimes, you know, we can let that happen. We become so involved in serving the Lord that we allow attitudes to, it's like, it's like shadows or like clouds. They just ever so gently drift in. And, and if you're not alert, they'll rain on your parade and separate your heart from the lord so it works for the elders I, I can only speak as one elder but i know that there are times when that service becomes an occasion for confession and forgiveness for me things that i need to deal with as an elder and god chooses the service during that meeting
0: The Apostle James puts no daylight between anointing with oil, prayer, fervent prayer, faith, righteousness, confession of sin, healing, forgiveness, and the ministry of elders. This is a passage, the last few paragraphs of the book of James, that deserves more consideration. For now, though, we'll continue our series that's turning into a tour of the New Testament. It's called The People of God. For a donation of $59 or more, you can get all 17 sermons in that series in a CD album. Or if you'd like this message alone, we'll send you the single CD for a gift of $7 or more. I'll have ordering information for you momentarily. If Right Start makes you think from time to time, then please think about helping to power the ministry with your prayers and gifts. Be open to the prompting of the Lord is all we ask. Your participation keeps these lessons coming. Thanks to everyone who's helping. You can call us at 1-800-984-2313 during business hours Eastern time, 800-984-2313. Head over to our website, rightstartradio.org. If you'd like to hear Jim's sermons without the breaks we have to take for the broadcast, the complete sermon audio is available there. Those files are free to listen to and free to download. You'll find other ways to listen on the site, like a link to the daily podcast on iTunes. And consider making a donation online. Visit rightstartradio.org. And you can mail us at RightStart, P.O. Box 437, Worthington, Ohio, 43085, USA. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. We'll learn something more about the people of God tomorrow. Don't forget to join us again on Tuesday for a new episode of Right Start. Thank you.